and welcome back to this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. I am your host, Ashley Malone, and welcome to Season 3 of Practice Management Insights. I am so excited about the response that we've had, um, that the new listeners joining every single day, um, and we're excited to dig in and tackle some of the topics affecting all of us in healthcare. So whether you are a practice manager, administrator, clinic manager, across any specialty of healthcare, this podcast is for you. So welcome and thank you for joining us. This week's topic, we are going to tackle something that comes up quite a bit. Um, You know, it seems simple enough to look at our schedules and our templates and the way that patients are flowing through our offices. But actually, it is quite complex. So we get this question um, often, actually, in my consulting side of my life through practice management and legal consulting, which is our parent company. We get this topic quite a bit. And today's episode, we are going to start just kind of digging into this a little bit and breaking it apart and simplifying the, the conversation so that maybe we can pull out some tips or maybe some new ideas and try to be helpful with your own flow issues that may or may not be going on within your clinic setting. Like almost everything we talk about in this podcast, it this topic is just not as simple as it may seem. So I'm going to guess that most of the listeners to this podcast are in practices that are busy. The schedules are probably full. You probably have a wait time uh, for a patient to see a new provider or to be new to your practice. There's probably booked out two months, three months, maybe longer. So for all appearances, everyone seems to be doing great. But when you dig into it, there's always more. I always say that healthcare is tough. It is a tough business because it is a business. And I think we forget that sometimes, but it is a business. And it there's so many moving pieces. There's financial components, there's regulatory components. We have very high overhead in healthcare. We have to deal with staffing issues, with Patient issues, customer service issues. Um, We talked about online reviews in a prior episode, and those can be really tough. We have lost patients over a negative online review, which is so silly, but, you know, it's true. So we kind of deal with this whole wide range of, of things. And then at the end of the day, if, you know, we're not getting patients through the office in a timely manner and efficiently and then we're not checking the insurance and we're not getting the copay and then we're not billing it correctly and we didn't code it correctly. I mean, I'm sure anyone listening is in their mind going, yep, yep, okay, well, we didn't get that authorized. So now we had to write that off and we didn't code it correctly. So we got a denial and there's just so much to this. But you know, what we can do, I guess, the the parts that we can address and that we can do better, we need to do so. So this podcast is really to encourage everybody. Um, I know how tough it is. I also manage a surgical group and there's just so much there. 
So today we're going to try to talk about flow, uh, clinic efficiencies related to how we're flowing patients through the clinics. This seems fairly simplistic, but this is how I approach problems in my life. I like to look at the problem, identify the, the actual problem. Don't get distracted. Don't be chasing rabbits through rabbit holes and being influenced by other people's opinions necessarily um, because we all tend to go off on these really wild goose chases at work. And I, I think it through. So what I do first is I stop and I really just embrace the issue. If you're in marketing or maybe you have your MBA, um, we are trained to do this. So you are trained to first identify the problem and then you walk through. It could be um, a nine-step problem-solving solution. It could be, you know, there's different, lots of different MBA tricks, but you you do a SWOT analysis, you might do a marketing plan, You whatever it is, a business plan even. You identify the problem and then you start assigning solutions. So think of it methodically, like that. And I think that you'll find that although you can't jump to the conclusion right away, the process itself will walk you through what the best solution is. So that's how we're going to approach this today. I'm really going to simplify the steps and it's going to seem like kind of a no brainer. But I promise you, if you apply these steps to this particular problem, you're going to see uh, benefits. You're going to see improvements within your office. So to get started, the first thing that you will want to do is to really just identify what the problem is. Is it that you're having a bottleneck in clinic? Is it that you are having long patient wait times? We had a period in our own clinic that our patients were waiting like two and a half hours at one point, and it was awful. I mean, talk about poor, you know, online reviews. That's the best way to irritate some patients by having them come early and then sit for two hours. So that was a huge ordeal that actually led to us um, applying this model within our own practice. And I've been able to talk with dozens of practices over the years that have done similar things. So this isn't rocket science. I always say it's not cataract surgery, but, um, you know, it is simple and it's really just to encourage you to, to go do the work, go through the steps and you'll see for yourself the benefits that can come from that. So isolate the problem. Uh, let's use my practice as an example. Our problem was long patient wait times in the waiting room. We didn't really have bottlenecks. We didn't feel like we had room issues or staff deficiencies. We just couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, when you looked at our volume of patients per day, it felt comfortable. It was landing where it needed to land as far as, you know, financials and overhead. Um, so we we couldn't quite figure it out. So what we did and what I encourage all of you to do, whatever version of this process that you need to do um, based on you know what industry you're in, I'm in ophthalmology, but this applies across the board. So the first thing that you'll need to do, I always say the word foundational. I think that foundational work is really, really important. So the first thing you'll do, we'll use ophthalmology as an example. 
you'll just, you'll identify the problem and then you'll pause and you'll think, okay, so I need to get the patient through the office in an efficient manner. Well, what does efficient mean? Have you defined what efficient means? It might mean one thing to you. Does it mean the same thing to the doctor? Does it mean the same thing to the technician? You know it's not the same thing to the patient because they're frustrated. So, you know, there's offices, honestly, they just think that the patient should be there for three hours and there is no problem. There's other practices that, you know, kind of try to mask the, the problem um, by, you know, peeling apart the encounter, which there's nothing wrong with that. But they'll say that, you know, their new patient exams are only 30 minutes, for example. And then when you dig into it, you find out, well, but they weren't dilated. They brought them back for testing. They brought them back to cancel them for surgery. So really, it's not a 30-minute encounter. So, you know, be honest with yourself, put it on paper, and then really as a, as a, as a leadership team, you get started. When I say that I like to kind of shield myself from the chatter of other people, the input of other people, I really try to just protect the process because a lot of people have opinions, but very few people in my experience have actual solutions. So it's it's good practice to go through this process maybe in the beginning by yourself or with a couple of trusted people who are good at problem solving um, to kind of get started. And then I start inviting knowledgeable um, co-workers into the process when they have the input that's needed to really come up with the best solution. So I like to start it myself, um, maybe involve your clinic manager, the practice owners, and then start walking through the process. So you've identified the pro- the problem. You have now defined what is the goal. So is it 30 minutes? Is it two hours? Is it the wait time should be X amount? Should it be within 15 minutes? You know, what is the goal? And then you start kind of digging into it. So the first thing we would do in an ophthalmology practice, for example, is we would put down on paper the actual components, the elements of the exam. What what goes into a new cataract evaluation in my office? And, you know, that's, that sounds simple, but I'm telling you, just going through this process, you're going to be surprised. So you start by identifying what you're tackling. And, you know, you may have to do this again for a new cat eval, a new glaucoma eval, an, an annual exam, where, wherever your problem is, is the, is the process you will go through as far as what, how to tackle that problem. So you'll start by going through the elements, write them down, literally grab the patient from the waiting room, walk to the exam room, sit them down in a chair, do the autorefract, do whatever it is that you start with and just walk through every element of that encounter. That alone is going to show you some things that you probably weren't aware of. For us, it showed us that we could use some new equipment. We had the topographer, for example. We had a bottleneck there that nobody really talked about. So when you asked a technician, 
they would say, oh yeah, but it's no big deal. I usually just start with the history and I would wait for this piece of equipment to be open and it's no big deal. Well, if you ask them all individually and they're all saying the same thing, it actually is a big deal. So if that if they go to that room and it's already full and then they're walking 10 more steps or 20 more steps to another room and then they're walking to another room because that room's full, you actually just added three, four, five minutes to that entire encounter that you weren't actually in accounting for in the expectation of the workup. So see how that, that quickly starts building up and adding to the overall experience. So write all the elements down, dig into every single one of those that you need to, that, that gives you a flag, dig into it, pause, and actually address each one of those. If there are bottlenecks, if there's opportunities, go ahead and stop and address those opportunities. But at the end of that exercise, you'll then have all the elements written down on paper, And the most important next step is you will assign values to each of those elements. So it's good to do industry averages, benchmarks, speak to, you know, consultants who maybe do this for a living or people who can kind of quantify expectations. Um, In ophthalmology, there's a lot of consultants and um, kind of... um, companies that will help you with efficiency and flow, um, you know, talk to them, talk to your peers, talk to other administrators. How long in your experience should a refraction take? How long in your experience should an IOL master or whatever equipment you're using take on a patient? You'll then write down those values again, uh, alongside every element. You'll actually write down what that number is. And it can be an industry benchmark, but we're not all, you know, a benchmark. So maybe in your practice, it's a little different and that's okay. There's no right or wrong way to do this. There's your way to do this. But what we're trying to do then is to match your template to your reality. So just keep remembering that. I want everyone listening to this podcast to always have confidence in themselves and in their practice. You're not failing at anything. It's just getting ahead of it and understanding that maybe what your reality is isn't matching what the expectation is. So you're going to assign those values. Um, Even that process is going to probably create a training opportunity. Do all your techs even know what's expected for each type of workup? They probably don't. There's probably someone on your team who had no idea that the doctors wanted an OCT on every caddy valve or they wanted this or that. And unless you're digging into this and actually pausing and using this more methodical process, there's probably some assumptions that this tech is lazy or this tech, you know, doesn't do great work. And we tend to gloss over those things. So, you know, just by kind of resetting expectation, putting it on paper, you're going to be able to address so many layers and so many areas of this that are just going to start increasing your overall efficiency and productivity and, you know, really making your team a better team through the process. So you write down the elements, you 
make sure that everyone's on the same page. You assign value to those elements. And then now you start reinforcing. So this is where we actually have opportunities created for training um, to set expectation. You will want to have a staff meeting with your technicians. It may require a big staff meeting. It may require a time-intensive day of training um, and making sure that everyone is crystal clear, black and white on the expectation, and they are crystal clear what's expected. And, you know, time them all. Have them do each of these elements and have them show you how long that they are taking. A lot of EMRs can do time studies. They don't even need to know that you're snooping around. You can pull their times. You can see how long they were on each of the elements. And then you can identify training opportunities. You can use that information in their reviews, in their coaching. Um, You know, some technicians have learned shortcuts over the years that are very efficient. But most likely, when we did this at least, we found a lot of areas where technicians varied quite a bit on the different elements, and it was no fault of their own. You know, we rarely get a worker from the time they graduated high school through the time of retirement. So they come to us from these different environments, and they were taught different behaviors and different, you know, habits and techniques. Sometimes they bring their bad stuff to our to our jobs and all we do is ask them if they know how to do it and they say yes and we say okay and we don't realize that the way they were taught is actually not the way that that we expect things to be done so this process is a great opportunity too for coaching you will identify several things but I can tell you that once you start addressing these weaknesses and it takes months y'all I mean it's a it, this is a big process but you just slowly start seeing improvements. We identified that some technicians who um, maybe had a reputation of being lazy actually were just very timid about doing certain things because they weren't comfortable doing certain things, and we had no idea. So once we were able to address it and give them the training that they needed, their confidence increased, they really started, you know, volunteering to taking certain kinds of patients and doing certain elements of the workup. And they are some of our best technicians now. They just, it's just a, it's just like they blossomed under this. Um, so anyway, the last step of this, of course, is that you circle back then and you have the problem identified, you have the elements identified, you have the expectation written down. It is written down on paper. You go, you show everybody, I expect you to spend this much time on a refraction or this much time on this test and this test and the history. And, you know, you actually write it down for them and you let them know that you are watching. Um, do time studies in the office. Give them a, a timer if you need to, whatever tricks you need, but everyone needs to understand the goal of the exercise and to know what the expectation is. And then at the end of the day, you know, you reinforce it. So now you keep reinforcing it. You keep it being part of your culture, part of your expectation. You let them know, I expect you to do eight to 10 workups per AM clinic and per PM clinic. That is our expectation. If you have a problem with that, please let me know. If you need training, 
please let us know. If you need coaching, please let us know. But this is our expectation. And then the time studies will help you identify weaknesses within the workup. But what I wasn't expecting, but it was very interesting, a couple of our technicians who weren't meeting our time goals, we actually realized through our time studies It wasn't the workup that was the problem. It was the time between patients that were the problem. So when we became aware of it, we were able to kind of see, oh, yeah, they do get coffee 25 times a day. Or, oh, yeah, they are always chatting with the surgery schedulers and leaving the floor for whatever reason. So in those cases, they weren't doing, they weren't bad people. They were just social people. And we were able to really kind of remind them, look, this is what happens when you leave the floor for three minutes in between every single patient, you are now putting clinic behind one or two hours a day. And you didn't even know that you were doing that because I didn't build in a coffee break when I set the template. So that seems really simplistic. um, And I understand that. I, I promise you, if you take this exercise and actually apply it and just walk through those pieces of it, it will make a difference and it will make improvement. Then the last step you do is actually circle back to your template and you see, is it realistic? Does this make sense? Because then you can just do some basic math. If I'm expecting a new caddy valve to take an hour and a half once I build in the workup, the dilation, the doctor exam, then you go, okay, so now let's look at the template. How many news do I have available? How many returns do I have available? Is it logical? Is it possible that by assigning two technicians, they can actually even physically do this template? Do they possibly maybe need four technicians? Do I have enough rooms for that? Is the doctor the weakest link? You know, you kind of walk into the reality of it then, and then you can make some honest adjustments to the template itself and really make sure that your flow is on target. So again, this is a huge topic. It's it's fluid too. It's just, it, it's not a one and done. Templates actually change over time. Um, we add new procedures. We add new technology. Um, and so they should be revisited all the time. So the first indicator that you need to have this discussion, of course, is that you have a problem. Whatever that problem is, if there's a problem in your office, you need to pause and we need to start digging into this. So again, we will keep talking about this um, in the future because it's just way too much to cover um, in one sitting. But again, just foundationally, this is a great way to get started. And I promise you will see at least three things that you actually could do better immediately um, to start helping the problem. So that's it for this week's episode, and I hope you all are having a great week, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Practice Management Insights is a podcast produced by Practice Management and Legal Consulting. For more information, visit us at pmlclaw.com. Or to submit a topic for future consideration, email Ashley, A-S-H-L-I-E, at pmlclaw.com.